I'm Emma G. Rose. I'm Shell Shearer. We're indie authors. And this is Indie Book Talk. Hello and welcome back to Indie Book Talk. Today we have a very special guest. Jim Stovall is, well, he might be the biggest celebrity we've ever had on this show, actually. Jim is a blind author who is known for writing the award-winning book-turned film, The Ultimate Gift. Let me know if you've seen that. He is also a globally recognized humanitarian, an advocate for the blind. He's the president of the Emmy Award-winning Narrative Television Network. He just published a new novel called Passport to Success, which is how to be a success in, I think, a real and actionable way, not in a you know flashy business book kind of way. So I'm super excited to have Jim on the show and to talk to him about his experience as a blind author doing really awesome things in the world. Thank you so much for being on the show, Jim. Well, thank you for inviting me. I'm looking forward to our conversation. So tell me, first of all, tell me a little bit about this new book. Well, Passport to Success is a novel I wrote that kind of follows a pattern in a lot of stories. Shakespeare told us there's only seven great stories in the world. I've written 50 books and eight of them have been turned into movies. And when you write stories, you you pick and choose where are we going here and where do we want to end up. This is a story about a young man who wakes up one morning and in the course of one day, he loses his job, he loses his home, he loses the love of his life, and he learns that he may be going blind. And he decides that you know, all of these things were out there and he should have known they were coming. He wasn't paying attention to his relationship or his finances or his career or anything else. And uh, so he decides, since he has no reason to hang around, he goes on a quest around the world to try to figure out what matters, what doesn't. And, and everywhere he goes, he um, writes something down on his passport that he learned. And by the time he gets back home, he has done the proverbial going home to a place he had never been before. And so it's kind of his story and uh, all the things he encounters and learns. I love that. That feels like it's already a classic before I've even read it. It's reminding me a little bit of, oh, what was that? No, I don't remember the name of it. Very famous book, though. Anyway, the point is, I really... I really want to know how your writing process works, because we have talked to authors who have all kinds of different circumstances that they're they're living in and with, including authors with hearing loss and authors who you know have a range of mental health challenges. And I'm curious, when I think about if I didn't have my sight, how would I write? I can't even imagine what that looks like. So can you kind of give me a sense of how does your process work? Well, at first, it it seems normal to me because it's all I know. But I do understand the absurdity of writing books I can't read that are turned into movies I can't watch. I get that. And <laughs> that's a little different. Please understand, I I do not know how to type. I don't know how to spell anything. Sentences and paragraphs are a mystery to me. I dictate everything to a real live person, just like I'm talking to you. And, you know, my background kind of tells the story. 
as a young man, my whole goal in life was to be an All-American football player and then go into the NFL and make my living uh, playing football on Sundays. And I really never studied a lot. I never read a whole book cover to cover. When I could read with my eyes like you and, and much of your audience does, I don't know that I ever read a whole book cover to cover. Now, after losing my sight, I discovered audiobooks, and I was part of an experiment 30 years ago when digital audio first came out, and they realized they could compress this digital audio and make it so you could listen at really high speeds. And they wanted to see how fast can people listen to audiobooks and retain the information. And I was part of that experiment. And when the experiment was over, I never stopped. So, mm. uh, you know, I can listen at five or six times normal speed. And uh, the upshot of that is a 12-hour audiobook I can finish in an hour and 45 minutes. So I read a book every day. There hasn't been a day in the last 30 years I haven't read an entire book. So becoming a reader really made me want to be a writer. And with the success of my television business and the other things, I started getting asked to speak a lot. And I was on a West Coast arena tour with Dr. Robert Schuler and Dr. Dennis Waitley, two great authors in the field. And they both really twisted my arm to write a book. <laughs> and I wrote my story of losing my football career and becoming an Olympic weightlifting champion and starting my company and helping blind people access television. And I put it all in my very first book called You Don't Have to Be Blind to See. And I thought that was it. My career's over. I wrote a book and it was very successful. And the publishers wanted another book and another book and another book. And after I'd done seven business books, how to do this and the secrets of that, I realized I've written everything I know and a few things I kind of only suspect. So when <laughs> they said, uh, we need another book, I realized I got to make up a story. So I, uh, over the next five days in my office, in between my meetings and my phone calls, I dictated The Ultimate Gift. And then it became a movie and then a movie trilogy and then other books and movies. And I was nominated for the Pulitzer Prize and became a best-selling author. But my process has never changed. I sit in an office down the hall from mine. I did my first 40 books with a very talented editor and grammarian, Dorothy Thompson. And I would talk and she would type and she retired. And now I, I work with Beth Sharp. And these are amazing, talented, gifted people. And I just talk to them like I'm talking to you. And, you know, they fix all the spelling and the things I don't understand. Uh, to me, everything's an audio book and it's all a conversation. I find that completely fascinating because I have attempted dictation before and I have I find myself unable to do it. I get lost in what I'm saying, or I get distracted because I can't read back. And I'm just in awe of that ability to sit down and just dictate an entire book to someone. That's well, as really I said, cool. I mean, it just seems normal to me. That's the way you do it. And uh, I mean, I've tried typing and frustrated everybody in the office and the television network so much. They said, we'll work extra hours if you'll just quit <laughs> trying to type. <laughs> And it's, I don't know, it's my giant football weightlifter hands don't work good on a typewriter, although I can play the piano and I love doing that. I've done some recording and albums and things, but somehow I just cannot figure out how to type. And when I'm doing it, it takes so much concentration. And I'm talking, to, I max out at eight words a minute or something. And, mm. and 
that I can't even think about writing a book. How am I supposed to think about writing a book while I'm trying to remember where all these stupid keys are? And right. whoever the guy that didn't put them in alphabetical order should be shot. But <laughs> I, I, for me, it's my process. It works for me. And I write books. I write a weekly syndicated column that appears in several hundred newspapers and magazines throughout North America and Europe and Asia. And I'm very involved with writing and editing the screenplays for the movies. And it just seems normal to me. I, it works for me. So how does the editing process work? Because again, when I edit, I read back over what I wrote silently, you know, what's on the screen and I play around with it and I move things around. So are you listening and then kind of commenting back? I dictate generally a chapter at a time or an entire newspaper column or a scene in a screenplay. And then when I'm done dictating it, they read it back to me and I make any changes I feel like need to be made and we send it off. My last manuscript for a book, I think the publisher, the editor came back and said, we'd like to change these three words or sentences. That, that was it. So wow. I, I write a pretty finished product. I, it may or may not be good, but uh, I'll, I'll let the readers decide that. But it's about as good as it's going to get when it first comes out. That's it. So I want to talk here about the the movie and TV piece of it, too, because a lot of our listeners are writers. And, you know, the writer's dream is to have your book made into a movie. Mm -hmm. So was that something you sought out or was it something that happened to your books? No, I had written these kind of how-to books and then I wrote my first novel. And for reasons I didn't understand at the time, it just laid on shelves all across America and died. and then. All of a sudden, it took off. And mm. I remember the, the uh, officials from Amazon called me and said, what are you doing to drive these 1,000 and 2,000 and 5,000 book orders? We've never seen this. And I said, I don't have a clue, but if I figure it out, I'll do it again. And it was <laughs> an amazing time. And I realized the investment banking and financial planning and brokerage industry had adopted that book as a teaching tool, and they were giving it away you know, by the hundreds and thousands of conventions. And I spoke at a lot of those conventions and that's what drove that book. Well, that initial success attracted a movie studio and they called me and said, we'd like to turn that book into a movie. And I said, well, you know, I've been in the television business long enough to see what they do to some people's books when they turn them into movies. So mm -hmm. I said, well, I would have to have final script approval in even, even to enter into a contract. And they said, we rarely do that. And I said, well, I always do it. So uh, I didn't tell them my first and only time, but uh, they, they agreed to it. And, you know, and it was a tough time. They, they optioned it for a year. And I'm thinking, this is a book I wrote in five days. And you, you want a year. So at the end of a the year, they presented me with a script. And thank God I had approval. By that time, there were 2,200 public schools in America, where the kids are using this book as part of their curriculum, just the stories and the lessons, as well as corporate people and people in the White House and all over the world. And, well, they sent me this script back for an R-rated movie. Now, I have no problem with R-rated movies. I, Schindler's List, Saving Private Ryan, these, these need to be R-rated movies. And I think that's wonderful. But my little story, you want to, you know, anybody, any of your audience that's seen The Ultimate Gift, 
imagine it. And it wasn't a good reason. I mean, they had just the 20 something heroine of the story enters the movie coming out of the shower. And I said, guys, we have three characters in their 70s. Uh, we assume all the old men took a shower. We don't show that. Why are we? What are we doing here? And they said, well, we don't want to change it. And I said, well, then I'm pulling the plug. I, and they said, you'll never work in Hollywood again. And I said, I never planned on it up till now. And uh, I hung up. And it wasn't a week later, a second studio called me and said, do you still own the rights to that book? And I said, so happens I do. And I, so they said, we'd like to option. And I said, I just wasted a year with one of your competitors. I'll give you six months. And uh, six months later, they gave me a script. I would not have thought it possible, but they developed one worse than the first company. And oh these are these are two of the five big studios in the world. These are not downstream people. So I had pretty much resigned myself. I'm not doing this. And mm -hmm. then Rick Eldridge called me. He'd been with Disney for years and he's made a couple of movies on his own. I really liked. And Rick called me and said, do you still own that? And I said, yeah, it will not go away. I still got it. And uh, <laughs> why don't we make a movie? And I said, Rick, I am not going to make a movie unless my movie going audience has the same experience as they walk up the aisle at the end of the two hours that my readers have when they turn the last page. And he agreed to it. And that was the beginning of it. And we had a PG movie. It did what it was supposed to do. All the little kids could go see it. Parents, corporate people at events. Uh, we raised $25 million for charity for St. Jude's using that film and it became the part of a trilogy and right now i'm contemplating uh, something i never thought i would do again but uh, there may be a fourth edition called ultimate freedom uh, you know i don't want to be the guy doing rocky 27 but i <laughs> you know, i think there's more to do and and i've got a couple other books going on uh, that are turned into movies right now that are are not in that ultimate gift genre but you know, in a book or in a movie, when this story's over, but you still want to know what happened to the characters. I'm not ready to say they live happily ever after. Uh, there's what happens next. So stay tuned for that. And for the people who are fans of the deal, I, I've had eight of my books turned into movies. And the ninth one will start shooting in the, in the spring next year if it stays on schedule. And I always play a little part in all the movies. And the, the producers wanted me to do that in The Ultimate Gift, and, and uh, they flew out to Vegas. I was speaking in an arena event. They said, Jim, wow, you're good on stage. You could do a movie, Jim. And I said, I care enough about this film. I want actors better than me. And they said, no, no, just you could do this. And I said, okay, I'll play anything but a blind guy. I spend my whole life trying not to look like a blind guy. So they said, <laughs> you know, you've got the script. Pick a part. And so I picked limo driver. So if you watch The Ultimate Gift, go to Netflix or whatever, and near the end of the story, there's a brief scene with a limo driver and the lead character in the movie, and we have a little exchange, and, and that's me. And I've always been the limo driver, except in um, one of the films, we had a, we'd rented a $6 million car that belonged to Prince Charles, now King Charles, thank you very mm -hmm. much. And it was on tour here in America. And Raquel Welch was playing this aging Southern heiress. And so we had a scene with her in the back of this amazing car. And the insurance guy said, no, we're not letting the blind guy close to that. So in The Ultimate Legacy, I'm actually the bartender. And that worked out well for me. And then the new movie, Will to Win, that we're going to shoot in the spring. Right now, they've got me 
scheduled to be the umpire. And there's something really poetic about uh, having a blind umpire. So we're going to try that. <laughs> that sounds amazing. So you've said several times that you've been involved in TV for a long time. And during the intro here, I read something about you being an award-winning Emmy award-winning narrative television network president. Can you tell me a little bit about the narrative television network and what it does? It's a little bit outside of our zone, but I'm really curious. Yeah, it it is. And narrative television, there are 13 million blind and visually impaired people in the United States. If you put them all in one place, it'd be the largest TV market in America. And these people cannot access movies or television. And after I went blind, I went totally blind at age 29. And I moved into this little room in my house, and that had been our TV room. And one day out of just sheer boredom, I put on one of my old movies. I thought, I can't see anything, but I'll be able to listen to it and follow along. And it worked for a while, but then somebody shot somebody, and somebody screamed, and the car sped away. And I got really frustrated, and I said the magic words. I said, somebody ought to do something about that. And then I realized if I would take TV shows and movies and write a script for them, that involved a narrator in between the dialogue of the show. I don't interrupt any of the normal show, but in between their dialogue of a TV show or a movie or a documentary or an educational video, she, you know, she slowly walks across the room and peers out the window. He pulls a gun out. They land the airplane. Whatever's going on, that millions of blind and visually impaired people could access television. And it was a crazy idea I had 30 years ago. Uh, No one paid attention to me. I mean, a lot of people sell things or promote entrepreneurial ideas. You want to sell something tough, call call Hollywood and tell them you do TV for the blind. And uh, (laughs) my my two reactions were laughter and hangups is I got a lot of that. But I am nothing if not tenacious. And today, all primetime programming is is narrated for blind people. Netflix has a section with hundreds of movies that are called described films, all primetime shows. And it's free to blind people. It comes into all their homes. It comes into your home. Uh, there's a button on your TV or your remote called Second Audio Program or Languages. And if you hit that during primetime shows and a lot of other movies and shows, you'll hear that extra voice and or just go to Netflix and pull one of the described movies. It's been a tremendous ride. So that's how I got started in television. And we won an Emmy Award. And Uh, Because of that, I was asked to speak at the National Association of Broadcasters. And at the end of the speech, we had three different companies ask me to speak at their convention or their company event. And I did. And the next thing I know, I'm on speaker on tour and I'm backstage. And these two guys twist my arm and say, why don't you write a book? And that was 50 books ago. And here I am. It just it's like most things in my life. And it probably works being a blind guy. I just seem to trip over everything or back into it. And uh, (laughs) but it works for me. That is a fabulous story. I am so thrilled that we got to talk to you today. Uh, We're reaching the end of our time. So is there somewhere online or a way that people can keep track of all of these incredible array of things that you're doing? Well, you can always go to Jim Stovall, S-T-O-V-A-L-L, jimstovall.com, or you can just Go look it up on Amazon or wherever books are sold, as they say. And the, the new book, Passport to Success, is out there. And I, I I wrote seven books during the pandemic. I couldn't make movies or speeches. So I turned into a full-time writer. So I had three out last year, three out this year, and one coming at Christmas. So it's been an exciting time. That is 
Amazing. So if anyone's looking for an just huge backlist to just lose yourself in, check out Jim's books. I personally want to go watch The Ultimate Gift now. Uh, I'm going to go see if it's on Netflix or Amazon Prime or one of those things. And I really appreciate you being on the show and giving us a little uh, inside look, if that's not rude to say, at what it's like to be a blind author. Well, thank you very much. I hope to see you in the movies, and I look forward to our next time together. Thank you, Jim. Thank you.